it's really looking at what are the market opportunities and using the technology to bring products to market. So launching this product yesterday really was showing the market how quickly we can innovate and actually build something. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are and whatever you are doing. Matthew Grant here, your host for the Instec London podcast. Now, as the days get shorter here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's great to speak to so many of you that tell me you are still exercising whilst you're listening. And for those of you not regular listeners, be assured that I generally do keep the interview to less than 40 minutes, so no need to wear yourself out. For episode 113, we're bringing you this interview with Paul Prendergast, recorded a week ago when Blink Parametric released its latest product offering at the Lloyd's Lab. Now, Paul is something of a serial entrepreneur and an enthusiast for parametric insurance. As usual, we cover a lot here. You'll find out first why Paul moved from mobile phone security to insurance and why he chose travel disruption in particular. Like most people who already have one or more successful startups under their belt, Paul and his team have moved very fast. They've identified partners to provide data, insurance capacity and distribution, and we find out how he did that and who has been helping him. COVID, of course, was not kind to the travel industry, so we find out how Paul's team pivoted and what they did in the Lloyd's lab and how companies like Beasley are supporting them with their non-damage business interruption cover, using open banking data as a parametric trigger. Paul also shares more really valuable advice on how to build a successful company. And finally, he has a reward and offer for those of you that listen to the end. So let's go. Paul, great to be talking to you today. We are less than 24 hours since your fantastic performance uh, on the Lloyd's Lab review. And judging by the number of comments on LinkedIn and, and both my own kind of enthusiasm for that, it was a really fantastic outcome. So well done. Thanks. Thanks, Matthew. Um, really enjoyed it and looking forward to the chat today. Yeah, we're going to dig into more of that in a minute, but just a bit about your background, first of all. So we're here talking about Blink, uh, which you and your co-founder, Peter Birmingham, started back in 2016, which was originally to build a flight cancellation product, which you have had off the ground, supported by Munich Re, based in Cork in Ireland. And it looks like you're something of a serial entrepreneur before you got to Blink, because you'd already founded a company uh, looking at mobile device security and a chain of phone shops, and also had a really intriguing job before that we're going to hear about in a minute. Yes, I've had a bit of a checkered career, um, but that highlight really uh, was I was the Heineken rep in the university in Cork. It was between myself and the president of the college who was the most influential person on campus, uh, the guy who gets you a degree or the guy who could get you beer. They had your dream job as a beer salesman, and yeah. you've, ended up, you've ended up in insurance. <laughs> Exactly. So, so what took you to insurance? So you were doing something very different with mobile phones. Yeah, it was interesting. It was a mobile device security startup. We started working with mobile device insurance companies, starting wrapping our technology around what they did and going to market. So we worked with a lot of big insurance companies. It was our first foray into insurance. Uh, we started working with a lot of mobile phone retailers, et cetera, et cetera. So what we found was fascinating. You go into a room of four people and they're managing to us was a crazy amount, only three, 400 million euros worth of mobile phone insurance. And we could see uh, the problems they had, you know, uh, 
uh, one of the big telco carriers in the UK, they launched their first big smartphone program around iPhone and they lost millions and millions. So we could see we could see some of the problems inherent in insurance. Um, so when we started Blink, we really focused on the underwriter first. So our view, if the underwriter uh, was comfortable with the product and the proposition and the regulator was comfortable with the product and the proposition, the outcome would be great customer experience, not the other way around. And that's that was our approach from day one um, when we started Blink and we reached out to the guys at Munich Re Digital Partners and we were the, the first insure tech in the FCA Sandbox program. So there was definitely a, a big shift uh, back in... 15 and 16 slow the the big shift really was the regulator started to say okay this is something important that we need to foster and encourage and we were fortunate london was the first um regulator really to take those steps and hugely importantly for us the underwriters um started building innovation uh, capabilities and munich was one and there was lots of others as well we saw the sands shifting if you like and we said this is the time to 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 launch a blink type product I guess the temptation would you, if you knew telephones, would have been to stay within that area. But what was it about flight cancellation insurance that attracted you to it? It, it was really all about the data. So we wanted to build a parametric platform and really build a simple product on top of that. And there was a lot of great flight data available that insurance companies had used for other purposes. And we knew that they trust that. Travel insurance was a very big business and there hadn't been a lot of innovation over the last 20 years. Uh, it seemed like a very straightforward uh, and uh, a no-brainer for us to, to, to do that. What was really impressive just watching your progress at that point and looking back at it now, you seem to understand or get to understand an industry really quickly. You figured out where to get the data and you built tech. I mean, what was it that allowed you to do all of those so, those things so quickly and actually go to market with a real proposition? Look, we've been around the block. We've been doing tech startups for 20 years now. And uh, you, you learn a lot along that journey. And certainly we made, over that 20 years, we made an awful lot of mistakes and a lot of scar tissue. You know, and you, you need to solve a real problem. And it's very easy to get caught up in what you think is important in a startup as opposed to what's actually important. I think that experience has certainly helped. I think in the previous business, being alongside big insurers was really interesting to learn about that. And we're, we're quick learners as well because we have to be. And then can you talk about how that flight cancellation product works? And actually also you'd mentioned you wanted to build a parametric product, but just what, what and why did you choose parametric right mm -hmm. from the start? We could see the difficulty um, the underwriters had with new products. Um, and we, we, our view was uh, plugging technology in would take out some of the costs of launching products, so getting rid of TPAs as much as you can or human intervention, which is expensive and slow. We felt that if you can use data to build a great experience for the underwriter, number one, and then the, the outcome is a great experience for the insured party. So that just made sense for us. Flight cancellation very simple. You're, you're in London and you're flying to New York. We track your flight automatically and then say, BA, cancel that flight at the last minute. We'll see what other flights are available. We'll offer you Lufthansa, United Airlines um, or Virgin. Which one would you like? We then book it and pay for it and get you on your way. Because our view is insurance is not just about getting you cash quickly. It's about resolving the problem in real time. And that's what Parametric can really do. 
the experience from the insured parties in an airport when an insurance company reaches out proactively, it just blows their mind. It's incredible. And TPA, for those that are not familiar with insurance acronyms, are, is third-party administrators. Those are the people who handle the claims. And I just want to get back right at the beginning there. You said that you know, underwriters often struggle with new insurance products. So just to be clear on what is it about the parametric that makes it easier for underwriters to underwrite new products? I, I think it's historical data in a lot of cases. So if you take the, the new one that we've launched recently yesterday, hurricane data is, you know, it's it's there for a long, long time. And people trust that data because it's been around. And there's a lot of there's a lot of experts in the hurricane space and the NACAT space. Um, same with flight data. It goes back 20 years and we can provide data, uh, cancellation data by route, by month, by uh, airline, et cetera, et cetera. So the data is really strong. And actuaries and underwriters, they like data and they trust data. Uh, so so it's da- completely data-driven, uh, number one. I think that's the big thing that underwriters um, get very comfortable very, very quickly because um, they trust the data. Yeah, that's a really good point. So you're you're taking it away from just purely having to do actuarial assessment of previous claims data and you're bringing new data sources and validating the tool with a product built in. Yeah. And I just want to talk about the partners because that is definitely a theme we're seeing on early stage companies that are being successful is this collaboration with you know, not just the obvious partners like Capacity, but also the distributors. So you've got a relationship with Blue Cross in Canada, Manulife, Allianz. Again, how you know, coming into this industry from the outside, lots of people out there claiming they've got great shiny insurtech solutions, but how did you get the attention from these major companies and then actually progress to doing a deal with them? I think it's been really, really focused, having a very, very clear value proposition and understanding, you know, all day, every day, we say no to no. We can do all these different things, but we don't. This is what Blink does, and this is what we do for our partners. And our job is to help them innovate in the parametric space. So we don't do quote and bind, for example. There's a lot of companies that do that well. We don't do distribution. Um, we um, Typically, we don't do capacity. So what do we do? We provide that technical platform to allow them launch innovative products. And we really focus on that. So our, our value proposition is really crystal clear. A small, relatively small team, we get we go very deep on that. So our view is you take a you take a very narrow piece of the insurance world and try to be the best on the on a, on a global scale. And the industry is big enough that the market will will be um, very strong in that small niche. So that's the first thing. I think it's absolute focus and strategy. The second thing is it's enterprise sales and you've got to be patient. It's an 18 months lead time from a positive meeting. Um, and, and that's for, for lots of different reasons. It is 18 months and you've got to set that up and you've got to have really strong enterprise sales experience to do that and not just expect to go in, show something shiny and then sign a contract four or five weeks later. It's simply not how it works. And a lot of people complain about this. I don't. And the reason I don't is this is the reason why insurance is still there to be disrupted and there to be improved. If this was easy, it would have been done 10, 15 years ago. We know how to sell enterprise. It's a very different skill set than, say, going direct to consumers. So that's been our approach. A lot of shoe leather, a lot of time and flights, not in the last six months, but in general. And uh, 
lots of banging on doors and being told it'll never work. But uh, for every 10 great conversations, you'll close one deal. It's such good advice. I mean, it's also known as consultative selling you know, you, because the decisions are not made by one person or very rarely one person. And that's what people forget and get frustrated about. And it, you're absolutely right. That setting the expectation internally with your own team is going to take 18 months and making the plans around that is is kind of what gives you or gets you pushed through to the end. But even so, I mean, congratulations on some really strong relationships. Uh, well, as you just alluded to there, you know, flights have been happening less frequently in the last few months and you joined the Lloyd's lab. Now, I know, I mean, I know when you went into the lab, you were sort of had an open mind of what you're going to do, but I'd just be great to hear about you know, how that experience worked and perhaps first of all, we should talk a little bit about your Hurricane non-damage parametric insurance product, first of all, and then let's talk about the lab. It's been a fantastic experience, a 10-week program. I suppose we've been around the block and we'd be a little bit jaded about lots of different accelerator programs, probably wouldn't suit us. Lloyd's Lab had a really good reputation. We talked to a number of people who did it, have completed it. Uh, we said, yeah, this looks good. And their secret sauce is their mentors. I mean, the mentors have been just phenomenal really giving with their time. And I I would think that they've reduced the, um, the hardest thing for us is working out what's, what should the product be and what's the market and what are the nuances around that. Typically, you go out and you learn through selling and that takes a long, long time. We accelerated probably 12 months of uh, insight into, into this particular space into 10 weeks. So amazing, amazing experience. So in terms of the product itself, you know, travel was tough enough in 2020, so we're gluttons for punishment. We said we'd, we'd then run after another fire, which was business interruption, which we all know was going through a tough time right now. But when we looked at that space, we, we thought that parametric, it'll never solve the, the, the complete problem of BI, but we think it can help bring back some trust, to, particularly to small businesses where liquidity is key. So uh, through that 10-week process, we spent four weeks working out what are we going to do to make sure we're building the right thing. And then we spent five weeks building and then a week doing the video and the marketing, whatever. So five weeks build, we integrated with 11,500 banks and credit unions in the US, integrated with the, um, the hurricane data and built all those models. So yeah, it was done at breakneck speed, but it, it, it was done because the platform was so incredibly strong and resilient because we've been doing this since 2016 and, and that platform has got quite mature. We'll come back to Paul in a moment, but a quick update for those of you not familiar with Instec London. Up until February this year, we were probably best known for our packed and lively evening events in London, where we jammed 250 people into the steel yard and had some great guests up on stage. Since then, we've successfully transitioned to our virtual events with up to 500 people joining us virtually as we talk to people all around the world about how they are pushing the boundaries of technology and insurance. Now, we'll sure be back in 2021. We do miss you all. But in the meantime, if you haven't already found it, we publish a weekly newsletter with the news we think you'll care about, plus whatever else has caught our eye from outside of insurance, nothing too serious, and with our own view on the world. You can sign up for the newsletter on the website, www.instec.london. Now, back to Paul. Paul, how does it work in practice when you have a client that wants to use the product? Say so you're a chain of restaurants in Austin, Texas, and you're on the path of that hurricane. There isn't an automatic payout at that point. That's trigger one. Trigger two then is we analyze in real time your banking records. 
Uh, number one, that's the first data point. And we, we can then get your banking records the last 18 months and model out where the business would have been if the hurricane did not hit. And then secondly, uh, we can then track over, say, week one, are, are you closed or is your revenue down 50%, et cetera, et cetera, and then make the first payout. So it's effectively automated indemnity, I think, is a good term. And people are, are really interested, number one, how quickly we could build this product, but two, what a great experience it would be for the insured party who usually waits six to 18 months to get a payout. And in a lot of cases, the impact of a lack of liquidity is actually worse than the impact of, say, the hurricane in this case. Being able, we see ourselves as that first responder, get money in within a number of days so they can stay alive. How does it work where you've got a claim coming in? What's the process by which one of your end clients can actually get their money for this loss? Yeah, so first thing, we know you're in the path of the hurricane. We reach out to him, Matthew, sorry to hear, hear that's the case. And then we get access to your banking records. And that's as simple as logging in, the exact same process as logging into your online banking. Then we can analyze in real time the last 18 months of your banking records. So we can build a model around that and we can see if the, the hurricane has actually impacted your business. What I really like about this, having been in this world of modeling hurricane and hurricane loss for God, like 30 years now, this business interruption bit has been almost impossible to quantify. And you linked to 11,000 banks. I'm assuming that is relatively easy to do to get access to that data if you've got the right kind of approvals. Yeah. I guess there's a question around the moral hazards. So how do you stop someone deciding a hurricane's come past and they're just going to shut their doors and go on holiday for two weeks and, and get a payout? Yeah, great question. So there's, there's, there's a couple of other data points that we're plugging in in the next couple of months. First is accounting software. So about 10 or 15 different accounting software packages we'll be plugging into the third interesting thing is working with big credit card data providers to get completely external data. So the worry is, okay, the, the, the fraud concern is, will they just um, um, put money elsewhere? So you, you can build in due diligence checks as well. Is this person, do they have another three restaurants that they're not declaring, that they're separated from this insurance policy and that can put up a red flag, number one. But, but I think... The real uh, resolution to this, is, in our mind, is we see this product as being part of a bigger BI product where your traditional claims processor will get involved. And our insurance partners, you can build this product to mitigate a lot of those concerns. So say, for example, your gross margin is $10,000 a week. That's what you are actually making on the business. So you can then say, well, we'll pay 7000 that's what we'll pay. So you're, re- you're removing the, mar- the the motivation to just take two weeks holidays after a hurricane. And distribution is the other challenge. So mm. when I look at these parametric products, I mean, the capacity is there if you've got a willing partner, but the real challenge is how do you get people to buy it? So what's the route to market for you? It's really interesting. I think the, the route to market is exactly the same as we've been doing since 2016. It's it's working with large uh, insurance companies who currently sell business interruption or are launching business interruption products in the marketplace and who realize right now, we all know there's a, there's a big light on BI, that they need to go to market uh, with something new, something more customer focused, but they can only do... Um, you can only do that if it's if it's sustainable from a profitability point of view, and that's what we can offer. So we plug in our technology into a large insurer in the US who's selling business interruption 
they can offer a new type of experience as part of their traditional BI cover. Lots of statistics and reports saying about 30-40% of SMEs will not be renewing their BI this year. That's a huge drop. We believe if the insurers can go out to market with something innovative such as this, that could change that, that metric fairly substantially. So that's our route to market we've successfully done over the years, and that's what we'll be continuing to do. And is that literally selling, you've got to sell a concept to the insurers and they sell it, or I mean, the brokers are a big part of the London market and often a big part of distributing it, brokers and agents in the US. So presumably you've also got to go and find some the brokers as well to help distribute it. Yeah, and in a lot of cases, the insurance part and, uh, parties will have that broker channel established. You know, what, one that we're talking about now have, have a massive broker channel, all looking for something new and interesting, but how do we launch that without breaking the bank? The way we look at it is they've got a most insurance company, a great brand, great distribution, uh, understand the risks. The bit that they're missing is the product innovation piece, the ability to move really quickly to provide a product that they can tweak uh, in, in a matter of weeks, not six, 12 months. It comes back to that timing one we touched on before. In my experience, has been for an insurance organization or brokers looking to partner up with someone with technology. If they can't implement it within a year, then it doesn't really work for them because the insurance cycle and heartbeat is an, an annual one. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed in the press release that Beasley have been supporting you. And I just spoke to George Beatty before you had your event yesterday, who's been a great enthusiast for you. Can you just talk a bit about what, what you're doing with Beasley? Yeah, so look, the, the mentors were amazing, as I mentioned, and George and Neil have been fantastic supporters, give us a lot of their time. So really we're, you know, it's about the Blink platform. It's about working together to to build the next generation of products. And that's what we're planning to do with the team at Beasley over the next number of months. So we think there's lots of opportunities you know, those guys and, and other guys like that, they have real insight into the market. And, you know, as we always say, we're paralagnostic. It just happened to be a hurricane. It could be, you know, flood or earthquake or cyber or reputational damage. Uh, the intangibles are fascinating. It's really looking at uh, what, what are the market opportunities and, and using the technology to bring uh, products to market. So, so we're launching this product yesterday really was showing the market how quickly we can innovate and actually build something so we have lots of interesting discussions in different areas right now but yeah we're absolutely thrilled to be working with Beasley on on the platform and and, uh, lots of innovation to be uh, announced down the line. It's great to see them on board and I think the product innovation facility Lloyd's is also getting involved and I just as you mentioned there about the different perils I guess it's part of the challenge you have, as you said, is, is where do you focus? Because you could go out and be offering it for flood or hail or all sorts of other nasty things. But it sounds like you want to get it right for, for Hurricane and then you can start yes. moving into new perils. Yeah, look, it's easy to go on the next new shiny thing. We were, you know, Hurricane was really interesting. Some great data there. We're, we're fascinated by some new asset classes. Uh, the intangibles, I think, uh, would be quite interesting to see. As, as better data comes out in this space, I think it's very, very interesting. Uh, IP is interesting. Initially, though, if you look at BI and the non-damage um, BI that we're launching with Hurricane, there's a huge protection gap in the States right now for small businesses. That's our initial focus for the next six to nine months, I would think. But we're always looking at what's going to be the next interesting product um, and intangibles, I think, will be fascinating time to come. But 
I'm not 100% sure if the data is absolutely rock solid. Um, if any underwriter out there disagrees, great. Give us a call and we'll start building the product for you. Intangibles, for those that are not familiar with it, is where you move away from a sort of physical asset into the increasingly important but intangible risks, such as, as you've said, intellectual property or cyber or mm. reputation. And certainly some interesting things happening around some of those areas. But yes, there's a big gap there. Mm. And I, the people that generate the data are going to going to win. But yeah. you know, sort of picking up on that, you know, Paul, parametric is sort of elegance about parametrics and parametric insurance, but they have been around for decades now and outside of the sort of major cap bond insurance linked securities markets you know even there they're only about 15 percent. they haven't really taken off i mean why do you think they haven't taken off and do you and i I guess you're making a bet they are going to change now so you know what's changing or why haven't they worked and why are they going to work i think it's a great question and it's something we talk a lot about with our partners i think if you look at flights it's really small ticket uh, payouts, you know. So I think the fear from an underwriter's point of view, the big fear is you wake up on a Tuesday morning and a huge payout has happened and nobody's got to check it. Nobody's got a sense check it. The real-time financial analysis on the platform now reduces a lot of that risk. So you're able to actually ensure that that party has actually got a, um, has been impacted by that hurricane or whatever that peril is. Uh, so you can actually build in that automated fashion. So I think the big thing is, to me, you want to take the best of parametric, which is automated, no no people are involved, digital, quick, great customer experience, and then reduce the risk for the underwriter. And you do that by validating. The way we look at this, and obviously COVID-19 with business interruption has been well discussed. If you look at, uh, say, if you're in London, and if there was a lot, Boris lockdown London, and every single company got got paid out because it was parametric. That's too blunt a tool for that kind of payout in our view, whereas we all know a percentage of businesses have been impacted badly, but a very large percentage have done just fine and just got on with it. So you only want to pay out the people who have been impacted, and that's what the open banking, the real-time financial analysis can do. And as more data points on the validation side of things, as opposed to just the trigger, uh, emerge, I think, That'll make parametric or automated indemnity, whatever you'd like to, to term it as, as much more um, palatable for underwriters. It's a great point. And what you're touching on there is that claims process and how far you go to the smart contract or you know, is, is the smart contract smart enough to know when there's doubt? I mean, and, and some of that is still going to be hands-on or as you said with your validation tools that are flagging exceptions but yeah mm. absolutely if, if things are too automated they can go crazy and and then underwriters find they're really yeah. exposed now a really exciting time that that open banking one to me is a big game changer because you just you've got a data set that is uh it's independent you know, it can't, it's immutable it can't be can't be messed around with exactly. great to be out there in front of it so so Paul, just sort of switching a little bit you know from your experience and I always love to get people's advice. So for anybody out there that is either thinking of starting a company or in their early stages, mm. I mean, and you've done this a few times, if you're kind of trying to summarize that into one key bit of advice, what would that be? I, I think the big thing is to identify um, a segment in the market and look at it globally. Don't try to be number one in, I don't know, Ireland or Belgium or go pick a piece that you can be the best at what you do globally and can you actually create that segment and own it? That's, I think, what will will make a difference. Our job is to be the best at this piece of the parametric, the mass market parametric space, 
But it, whatever that space is, be really rigorous because, and if you're raising money, etc., that money is not there to go mad. The money is there to stop taking the wrong deals, which takes you off focus. That's what the money is there for. The money is there to say no. We get approached all the time. Can you do this? Of course you can, but we're not going to, we can't do that. It'll turn us into a different business. That's what the money and the funding uh, is there for. And uh, so that, that would be the number one thing. Obviously, validate that as much as possible. I think one of my favorite phrases is have st- strong opinions loosely held, you know. So d- don't be that person and you meet them all the time. Six years in, nobody's bought it. You've built this thing, but so you know, someday your, your prince will come along. It's not going to work. You've got to validate as early as possible. Talk to people. There's a lot of people out there who will happily talk to you. And if they all say this is insane, um, maybe you need to, you know, reassess. Strong opinions loosely held. That's uh, Andreessen advice, which yes. I think is, yeah. is brilliant. And I, at that point, I mean, that's a really... It's a really helpful insight, which I hadn't really thought about. But as you said, it's so cl- it's so clarifying, which is the money is there to help you focus on the business and not have to go and find money to run the business. Yeah, that's f- fantastic advice. Definitely I'd support that. Uh, and then, um, Paul, you've been a great friend of Instat London. We kind of miss you in the steelyard joining us. You know, and it's always great to see you know, people like yourselves that come over from outside of the country to, I'm sure not just to see us, but you know, what was it that, gave you the motivation to do a bit more with us and support us as a, as a member. Yeah, you know what, Insect London is just incredible. And, and uh, we know you guys since pre-Blink days, long time going back. And, and it's great to see that group, you know, really, really grow. And it's grown from just London to global. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate. London is, it's, it's the centre of the insurance world. It's not the, the centre of the uh, uh, UK insurance world. You talk to people about all sorts of interesting deals globally. And that's what Instech London could do. And fascinating seeing some great founders from different markets, from the US, from Israel, from all over Europe. So you get a very international focus. I think it's great to see a lot of larger insurance companies getting involved in Instech London. I think they've realized, you know, we're, we're not, we need to, to partner with, with the innovators. And this is what they do. So, yeah. Incredible. It, it's the first place I tell people when they say, hey, can I have a chat? I say, have you talked to, to the guys in Instech London? You need to become a member. And the podcasts are, are fantastic. And uh, I, I listen to them all the time and uh, some great, great uh, information there. So it's a great, great thing to have. No, well, thank you for everything and, and for giving back. And I wouldn't ask everyone this question, Paul, just given you've launched your next new business yesterday. But uh, I know in your case, you're always looking for new ideas and building the business, albeit with a tight focus. So any hints of what we might see coming next from Blink in the next few months? Yeah, it's very interesting, actually. I think people are, our our job really over the last six months, we said, okay, we put our head down and actually paid lots of claims, automated, have lots of insurance partners. We now are going to reveal ourselves as not a travel insure tech. We're a parametric platform, and that's what we are. So people now are going, well, I've had all these opportunities. We love talking to underwriters who've been doing parametric for 20 years. They know everything about that particular risk. And they're saying, well, I can't do that because it's effectively, we say, we're the mass market parametric guys. They're they're doing an $8 million uh, policy for a big enterprise partner or government. So can you build something where you can actually uh, target SMEs, et cetera? Now, whether that's drought in Australia, solar in, in Spain, 
we're very good at finding the right data and seeing if that data, we can use it. And if we can use it and trust it, chances are the underwriter can use it and trust it. So for us to launch a new product, it's the data, you know, and then it's the resolution. Everything else is done. All the heavy lifting is done. Our model is really simple. We get paid when our partners make money. Your model is very simple, but a lot of hard work gone into making it become simple. And uh, and then, Paul, for people who've uh, made it to the end, we promised them a, uh, a little gift or an offering from you. So can you just talk about what your offering is to people? Yeah. So every single person that I meet and I talk about this stuff, they say, yeah, I, here's my six or seven ideas. What, what we'll commit to, we've allocated a, a bunch of time of our fantastic development team to if people come to us with their idea for a parametric product, we'll come back to them within 48 hours if this can be done. So we'll find the data or not, and we'll be able to tell you if it can be built or not in 48 hours. Well, that's fantastic. Well, look, I'm going to get ahead of that queue because i got some great ideas, and I think what you're doing is brilliant. So <laughs> look out for what you're offering. But, Paul, that's been been really good. Well done. I really enjoyed that. You know, thanks very much for taking the thanks time as well. Me. Such a busy time. Well, it always amazes me how much we cram into these episodes. Thank you to all of you for your help in sharing the word about Instech London podcast. Our audience is growing month on month, but please do forward this episode on to anyone you think would be interested. And if you have time to give us a rating, that is also much appreciated. You can find out everything we're up to on the Instech London website, www.instech.london, including all of our past events and podcasts now categorised by topics. Do get in contact with me, Matthew Grant, by LinkedIn or hello at instec.london if you want to know more about what we're up to or just want to share your own thoughts.